do it. So do it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to do the entire interview in a voice that won't be my own. <laughs> uh, we're live, dude. Finally. Awesome. It finally happened. After some mishaps uh, last week, we're back, and uh, we have a one and only guest uh, here on the phone with me, uh, Mr. Robert Bell. How are you, man? Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's fantastic to be here. <laughs> I hope you're doing you well, dude. You don't mind if I talk like this the entire time. Oh, you can it talk. very exciting. You can talk whatever you like. for the people at home <laughs> to listen to the insanity that is going on in my mind. Uh, dude, I don't mind at all. You can talk that, that way if you want to. <laughs> it'll, go, totally, it'll go in and out. I'm it's totally down for that. I don't. I don't mind at all. I wouldn't be mad. So, <laughs> uh, so how are you, buddy? Jay? Why are we? I'm good. I'm good. Why are we here? What are we gonna do today? I, I don't know. I'm actually asking this this thing myself. You know, like why am I even doing this? And the answer is the answer is pretty simple. Just because you know, <laughs> there no there there doesn't there there. There's no no reason for it. It's just it's just happening. You just have to accept the fact that this interview is happening and or this discussion is happening right now, and we're live and everything. So, um, cool. Let's get down to brass. Let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, let's, let's not be one of those podcasts. Yeah, let's. Uh, it fills the air with dead space of ums <laughs> and ahs. <laughs> let's hit well, the let's um, hit the road. What I was thinking. Uh, yeah, good. <laughs> let's hit the road running. Uh, so yeah, let's start with um, you know maybe let's introduce you a little bit. I, I'm pretty sure everyone who joined us live already know who you are, um, but anyone who just stumbles upon this beautiful channel and happens to listen to this video would probably would love to know who you are. So let's uh, let's start with that maybe. Uh, the best answer I think is when I um, when I met uh, Rick Barry. And he gave me his business card and said, Rick Berry, painter. But yeah, that's it. So, Rob Ruppel, artist. And it, that compulsion takes many forms. Design, art direction, photography, short films. Uh, it's, it's an obsession and a healthy one at that. I'm not ashamed to call it that. I the only thing to describe because it's not a hobby. Right. <laughs> about, you don't have the option. You don't go... Well, I think it would be cool to be an artist. It's like, if I don't do this, I will be very unhappy. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like, um, yeah, it's, no it's, choice. It's not work. Uh, it's not a hobby. It's 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 not even a passion. It's it's just it's yeah, a par it's, it's a part of it's you. Beyond. Yeah, it's it's almost Pas like it's passion a is a marketing word. Yeah, come to mean nothing at this point because it's so overused in commercials. I right. have a passion for it. It's like, no, you don't. Unless you're <laughs> obsessing about it in the middle of the night, every single night, but you have an interest in it. You have a passing interest that'll change to something else. Basically. It's it's almost a borderline mental illness, if you will. Yeah, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way, of course. Um, yeah, I would say calling it a passion would be uh, mildly put, you know, uh, because yeah. if you're passionate about something, then you'll pursue it and do it uh, a lot, but it's not going to be like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., you're supposed to be asleep already, and you know you're going to have to wake up like in three hours or something, but you're still jamming, you're like, fuck, I need to, I need to do this, because this is, you, this is me. 
You know what I mean? Or you just can't. I, I have the, the thing where I just can't walk away from something. I think, all right, I'm done. I can't say anything new. I start to walk away from it. Oh, no, wait. Let me. There's that little thing. All right, all right. All right, all right, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to walk away. And as you get farther away from the monitor, it's like, oh, no, no. There's uh, Now I see. Okay. And you do that for another two hours. Yeah. You get, like, tunnel vision and sucked in. And sometimes well, sometimes it sucks to you. <laughs> Especially if you're... No, it's if you're great. Not... I, I, love, I love the tunnel vision, uh, you know. Yeah. I love that. Like, oh, where, where'd the day go? Gone. Good. <laughs> but, but I think it, it, it can be problematic when it's, like, again, it's like 4 a.m. And you know, like, 8 or 9, you have to be there. <laughs> you have to be up and... Sleep, yeah. de sleep deprivation is the real thing. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of that. No. Yeah, but yeah, you, you put it right. Uh, you put it rightly. I think it's uh, it's a little more than a little more than passion. It's it is it is obsession in a way, but yeah, really, it's just you know, it's just being part of you. If you were born mm -hmm. that way, if 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 that's what drives your life, then you know, um, you never consider it work never consider it just like an off hobby thing it's just you right so mm, exactly. um, when did it all started for you man like where what was the was there any specific moment in your life that happened that have driven you to become an artist well it's ever since i was a little kid i was fascinated by art animation um movie making stop motion drawing painting all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I was lucky enough to go to a high school for the performing arts. And then something happened where you thought, oh, maybe I need to think about a real job. And so I studied electrical engineering in college and went, mm, no. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, the world were, is not. You're trying to be electrical electrical engineer as well? That's awesome. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, well, then, then I. Re you were what? Uh, that was that was a choice of my study as well. I went to college for that exact th same thing and dropped out after barely a year or even less. Yeah, I realize the world does not need another mediocre engineer, but maybe you could use a halfway <laughs> decent artist. And I was just too I was just too fascinated by you know industrial design, so I, I sort of worked my way back mm -hmm. because again, you know, there's not a lot of um, awareness of how to make a living as an artist, or there's more now. But, um, so I started studying industrial design because it seemed like a good in-between, uh, between something practical, and I just loved the types of drawings that they did. And then just worn my way back into, uh, you know, art for art's sakes. Mm. But I had a, I was lucky enough to have a great education. It, it encompassed really good design thinking, really good drawing, um, you know, good observation, good painting, and it, it wasn't just at one place, but it was at quite a few different schools. I ended up getting a great education, but not necessarily through a very conventional route. I just kept like, well, but now I need to understand edges. Where can I go find that? Mm. And there was a little draw drawing school out in Calabasas run by an illustrator named Fred Fixler. Right. So and that's where I really understood edges and halftones and uh, really go deep into life drawing. So you didn't go your regular, you know, um, there's, there's like, it almost seems there's two ways of thinking, like almost like a template ways for an artist. One is 
you're self-taught and then you're looking for your own resources. And then the second mm-hmm. one is you kind of go to a college, like let's say art center. If you're lucky, then you can afford it and go there. If not, then, you know, um, you might be going to some other art school, but that seems to be, seems to be, uh, like two ways in, in which most of the artists became an artist. Um, at least in this entertainment industry or industrial design. Um, I don't know. I think you were somewhere in between. Yeah, because I did go to art center, um, but I didn't learn everything that I wanted to know. Mm, And so I had, I had to keep digging. And Fred used to say that, you know, all, all good artists are self-taught in that, you know, you can expose them to ideas, but they're going to see that there's more out there and they're going to keep digging and they're going to keep searching. Right. And it's a life. That's the best part about it. It's a lifelong occupation you don't you don't or at least you shouldn't um go up oh, now i know everything it's like no the more you do it the more you know you don't know yeah 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 it never ends like um i think the worst thing that can happen is basically you you just saying to yourself like oh i figured it out and and never try to yeah you're, ne- there's, you're never gonna no one's ever gonna figure it out there's too much yeah there's too much there's too much subtlety in good design you know there's uh, you know, a, a line that's a quarter of an inch uh, off <clears throat> completely changes the look of something. Right. Um, you know, pro- propor- subtle proportional changes are the difference between good and great. Yeah, there is there is like a fine line. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, I found it working on some some of my uh, pieces where. Uh, I'll be doing something and it's like, it's not quite right and be sitting on it like for, for hours at end just to try to figure mm-hmm. out what exactly is wrong, you know? And then you find it and it's like, yes, you can move on. But yeah, I can totally see, uh, I can totally see what you're talking about. I was wondering, um, uh, is there anything, uh, was there anyone in, in your family that was artistically driven? Well, you know, I'm just curious. What was what was that situation about? Like you know, um... both my, both my parent both my parents were. My dad's an architect. Oh, okay. And uh, my mom my mom's a school teacher, but they were incredibly artistic. They I I remember that they would hand paint uh, my brother and I. Uh, they would hand paint our uh, bedroom. Mm-hmm. They would do murals and then they would do tracings on the glass. They they painted this whole Jungle Book motif. Right onto the glass globes in the and they painted murals onto the walls. They did it themselves. So yeah, they were they were both artistic. Wow, yeah, that that, that helps, I, isn't it? it? Well, it didn't hurt. It, it certainly, you know, being exposed to it. And I would go to my dad's office as a little tiny kid, <laughs> and they would have these huge, beautiful balsa wood models of the buildings that they were designing. You know, and to see those those beautiful models. Um, without texture, with just the, you know, the the wood material, and just to see the form and the shape and the little abstract trees and the cars all painted white, so beautiful. Yeah, those maquettes with architectural design, those especially, uh, you know, I wasn't exposed to that myself, but I remember, you know, recently looking at some of those maquettes, uh, architectural design maquettes from like 80s and. Uh, 70s, those were like pieces of art, you know? Oh, they, they are, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's... uh. It, 
Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. It's just, uh, no, no, I'm guessing it's, it's a little it's deli a delay between uh, the lines that is causing the issue here. But yeah, go right. ahead. Dude. No, it's, it's a lost art, you know. Um, it was a great way for the client to see what the building was going to look like. But, um, nah. And it's, you know, now, since everything's CG, you kind of get a replication of that, but it's not the same as looking at a three-dimensional object with your own eyes, right? seeing the subtlety. And I think that's part of what's missing, too, with CAD, is there's no human interaction. So mm. buildings look a little bit like um, toy sets now. There's, there's, there's that lack of human scale because they're built on a computer, and, it, you know, yeah, there's, it's... There's, not a there's not a person assembling it I mean, there is a person assembling it, but you're not looking at it as a sense of, with a right. sense of scale or proportion. It's it's an abstract three-dimensional object in the computer with no scale reference. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I think it goes with pretty much any other art form, not just architecture. It's t tangibility, and uh, it's sort of like, <coughs> you know, there's something something specific or so, there's something in it you know when you're holding a, a pen and 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 you, and you draw something on a paper and you know the texture of the paper and the way the pen slides over the paper like the roughness of each of the, the strokes is it's a completely different experience than holding a pen like a, a wacom pen and and you know sliding over oh, yeah. a glass surface i mean that alone uh for an artist it's it's a, it's a completely different experience obviously um, I also think, and you know, I would love to hear your opinion about it. But I mean, for anyone who's interested in art, you know, there's there's some kind of novelty, uh, some kind of you know, um, aura <laughs> around uh, traditional art uh, that makes it special compared to digital art. And you, you can have, you know, a pretty decent drawing that's going to be much more appreciated than you know, really good painting done in Photoshop, right? At least that's what I feel. Oh, no. No, no, you're absolutely right. You used the word tangibility, and I think that's that's a great word because back when they used to design automobiles, they did the clays by hand. Yeah. And so they're, they have a they have a giant wood form that they're pulling across the clay, and there's, a, there's an immediate connection with the form, <clears throat> with the speed of the line, with the speed of the curve. And I don't mean the speed in which you're pulling the clay. I mean, like, how the curve arcs and gives way into the other curve. It was more like sculpture. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's it, and, You can touch it, you know, that's... And even yeah. if even if you're just looking at a picture on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, but you know it was painted or it was sculptured, it's almost like you, uh, as an audience, you, you feel like you could touch it, you know? I think that makes the biggest difference. Well, and there's the, you know, if you look at a good painting, a good Linebecker or Boogaroo or a Rockwell or anyone, mm -hmm. an original, a good original, it's, it's a bit of magic because you look at that and you go, how did a human being make that? Yeah. Because the, that, that craft, while still around, is, is less taught and less practiced. You know, the, the ability to make an object look round and representational like it's getting hit by light on a flat surface with oil pigment is uh 
it's a craft, right? It's, yeah. It's it's not a it's not a it's not a it's not a brush set. It's a craft. It's a way of thinking. Yeah, it's it is, and you know, I I remember it. I remember it so clearly, and um, I think you you or someone else at Naughty Dog. I, I think it was you. You 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 found out that uh, there was a Landeckers exhibit in uh, Pepperdine. Uh, it was a couple oh, right. of years back. Yeah, I went uh, I went there to check it out, and the most bizarre thing was that it was just like all all of those beautiful uh, American painters uh, paintings, but they were like there was no glass, no protection mm -hmm. whatsoever. You could just come in and like be you know inches away and touch it, and so it's just like such an such an interesting experience because then you could see all the brush strokes and you know all the knowledge all the years of experiences of that one artist you know expressed in that painting you know every brush stroke every decision whether it's color shape form line you know was expressed through the experiences and mistakes and errors that he've made before and now you know knowing what to do in order to make this painting beautiful, you know, so it was just like you could feel it coming out of the piece almost, you know. Whereas, you know, you, you would go on an art station, or even a, a, on a gallery show, of like a really good digital artist, and you would look up 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 close to a printout, would just never feel the same, you know. It's like oh no, it's such a disconnect. I I feel it myself too, and you 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 put it nicely too. It's like. You know, it's it's a craft that it's not taught enough, and I think it's because it's uh, one of those really difficult things that take a lot of patience and a lot of time, and doesn't have Control Z, which makes it no. incredibly difficult. <laughs> because every real mistake, art is, yeah, real art is hard. Um, yeah, it's it to do a charcoal drawing of someone's face. And have it not look like a photo. It, you know, monkeys can copy photographs. I'm sorry, yeah. But to to do a you know to do a, to do a drawing that had the same life to it that a sergeant does, you know, is yeah. it takes skill and patience, and you don't get that in a month. You don't even get it in a year. It just takes time. And today's society is so quick, quick, quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Watch a YouTube video, and I'm good to go. It's like mm, no, sorry. Yeah. You ever been to the You ever been to the Louvre, Maché? No, I haven't. I have oh. to go there though. So one day. When you were talking about originals, everybody, of course, like you know, stands and looks at the Mona Lisa. But before you get to it, on that same hallway, there's another Da Vinci portrait of a woman that's similar, that is just as good. That there's no glass in front of it, and you you can really get your eyeballs up on that one. You go. Wow, this is just as good as the Mona Lisa. It's just not as well known, right? And the Caravaggios, um, yeah, you you get your eyes right up on that stuff, and you go, "Ah, there's skill, and then there's skill." Yeah, it, it makes a big difference, especially when you see masters paintings. You know, it's like it's such an intense experience. Um, the only two gallery—I'm not a like a big gallery guy. At least I wasn't for the longest time. Um, but one of the, you know, one of the two biggest experiences so far, and you know, it's maybe not enough. It's something, you know, when time, uh, uh, when there's going to have enough, when I going to have enough time and opportunity to be in the places where there are gallery shows that are worth a while. 
now I'll see it. But the two of two of those, which were, I think, one of the best experiences I had so far, was yeah, seeing those American painters, um, you know, Lion Decker, and what. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who else was there. I, I remember clearly Lion Decker's work, though. Uh, it, I think I don't know if Surgeon's work was there at all. Uh, maybe it was. I can't remember. Um, no, Sergeant wasn't so much an illustrator as he was a right. portraiture and fine art painter. Um, but I also remember seeing uh, Jerome's um, mm-hmm. uh, exhibit over at Getty Center, and that was intense. <laughs> that was really that guy intense. was that guy was amazing. Jerome Bougarou, Leighton, Amatadema, yeah, all those guys. Um, the east the east coast is full of that kind of stuff. I lived on the east coast for a while. I would I would haunt museums, especially the one in uh, Williamstown, Massachusetts, the Clark Institute. They had the best versions of Sergeant Bougarou, Almatadaba, right? Um, Jerome or Jeremy, however it's pronounced. Let's call him Jerome. Let's be real here. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> it's easier that way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's the so now, now that we've, go ahead. No, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I was just saying it's tangibility that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And now that we've figured out that like, you know, the old guys are pretty good. What's the, what's the next topic? <laughs> what's that? Um, well, one of the reasons I asked you, uh, you know, about family and whatnot is it's the influences that were around you when you were a kid, you know, um, because I, I I think the most fascinating thing that I found when, you know, talking with you and uh, other artists that I interview uh, at Arcafe or even just talk with anyone uh, is, you know, sort of like trying to understand um, the influences that, that drive people, you know, because they're so vastly different. Uh, there's obviously like a common denominator which is usually, you know, whether your family was artistic or, uh, you know, you found yourself that, you know, painting or drawing was one of those things that you really like to do. But, like, point of references, references are so different um, to everyone I talk with. I, I, I'm just curious, apart from, like, you know, seeing uh, those maquettes uh, in your dad's office or just being driven by art, was there anything, you know, that came across to you that was, like, super inspiring and, and you... You're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I want to do that. Well, I was I was fascinated by um, illusion in paint. Mm-hmm. I would look at a Thomas Cole painting and go, how does he make it look real? I would look at science fiction book covers and movie posters um, like John Berkey and go, how does he make it look real? It's just a bunch of brush strokes, but it looks real. I, I was fascinated and still am to this day by that illusion. How do you make something look real with the most abstract expression? Mm-hmm. You know, just a couple shapes of the right color and the right tone appear to be whatever an automobile, a person's face. So that fascination, I don't think, has ever left. I'm, st- I'm still chasing that in different forms. I'm right. trying to boil away the uh, the um, the br- like <clears throat> when I when I was teaching at Art Center. Um, people get too caught up in brushes and brush sensitivity and, you know, smeary brushes. And it's like, no, 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 you're not thinking about design. Here's what I want you to do. Paint with the line tool. 
set it to 200 pixels and 100% opacity, and you're going to have to paint a picture with that. And they did some of the better work because they're because you have this clunky tool that you're having to work with rather than, um, you know, fighting. The tool became the non-issue at that point. It's like, it's going to do this one thing. Yeah. Now, in your mind, you have to picture what you want the image to look like. And so I thought, I wonder if you could do a whole image with just, you know, colored squares. And that's when I started experimenting with, you know, the graphic LA look. Right, right. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that. I'm, I'm actually curious. Um, yeah, but it, it came from still. It, it came from being fascinated by the illusion of you know light and and not being uh, literal. If you look at a good matte painting, a real one, yeah, a matte painting on gla glass. Because that that's done what it by used to be. Person. Yeah, for for anyone yeah. who's listening, like the matte paintings that you see now, and basically matte paintings right now. Are just basically yeah, it's it's an illusion to get you get you uh, to think that this is real, and whether it's a set extension or a background painting or whatnot. Uh, these days, it's mostly 3D actually, but back in the days, yeah. uh, it, it used to be, you know, painted on the glass and then put behind actors literally in front of the camera and whatnot. A four yeah. by six piece of glass that they would paint realistic, you know, scenery on. Um, and I've, I've got to see quite a few of those, the real ones, and they're, they're beautiful because they're just a mess. You know, yeah. you look at them, you go, that? And you step back and you go, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a hillside and there's shrubbery and bushes and flowers and you get close to it and you go, no, it's just a bunch of craziness. Yeah. <laughs> it's but almost... It's, it's organized craziness. It's, it's, it's representing a real form. They know the form they're representing. Yeah. They know what's going on. They're not, it's not an accident. Um... They have a very solid conception in their mind of what they're trying to depict. Um, it's so but crazy. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a beautiful art form. And it's, it, it's so crazy that, you know, and, and knowing, you know, I, I've working in film and talking with, you know, really old court artists uh, that used to work with those guys who painted on the glass, right? Um yeah, you know the way the way it is in film, we know it. It's it's pretty fast paced, you know, environment. It's not like your typical traditional artist, uh, you know, master painters who would take years to finish a piece. Uh, granted that they had different tools back then, but but generally, you know, you would have much more time to you know get that beautiful um, background painting or you know landscape painting. Those guys would have to jam it within the weeks or, or, or even days, and and you know, and they would have directors and everyone coming over and, and try to do changes uh, as they are doing it. You know, um, so if, it's just so crazy for me because it's just like it's it's a pure art uh, in a way. It's you know how much artistry it takes and how much skill, pure skill, just how much pure skill it takes to. Not only paint it on the glass, but also just make it as realistic as possible and within the time constraints, but also work with oh, the yeah. changes along the way. That's just so, so crazy to me. Um, I think there was probably less changes back then, just given the nature of, yeah, of real course, cellulite. Of course. You have, you know, nowadays it's digital and it's, you know, it can be changed a million times. Back then, to do a matte painting, a latent image process, you have only a certain amount of original negative that you uh, have to work with. 
you know, so you've yeah. got to you've got to spend uh, some time wedging it and matching it, and then, you know, getting. The and then the scene would be cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made this fucking masterpiece, and <laughs> uh, nope, we're not using that. Ah, yeah. bummer. Well, <laughs> that happens all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, even I mean, even that is it's tangible, right? Even if you if if you look at the films, um, back then, and you know whether it's Star Wars or any of those films where they would do a lot of matte paintings. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's still, it still feels tangible because, you know, you know, it, it took time to make it happen. And back in the days, like, if you look at Star Wars, you know, the, the, the original Star Wars, not, uh, not whatever happened in the nineties, which was a disaster. Um, but the original Star Wars, like, even though there's not, not really that much going on in terms of visual effects and whatnot. It's such an amazing piece of art, you know, and you can see, okay, like the lasers are not aligning well and there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of um, digital fixing that have, they've done uh, along the way. So whatever you buy now, it's, it's, it's really not the original, uh, but it's like an alternative version of it that was fixed digitally many times. And I think they ruined it uh, actually by doing that. But, um, you know, seeing the the models and knowing that those all of those you know spaceships and some of the corridors and whatnot, all of those are miniature, and knowing that behind those miniatures they would have those matte paintings, just like wow, it's so intense. I would, I would, I would disagree that the films didn't have a lot going on. I think effects work is more seamless nowadays. Right. There's definitely, you know, there's so much stuff that's dropped in behind images that we have no idea when you look at people's reels now and you go oh that was all cg wow okay didn't even tell so it's more seamless now hmm. but uh it was it's still very groundbreaking in no, terms no, don't of get me the wrong. world that presented i'm not thinking like not much going on it's just like when you compare star wars um let's say new hope to fucking i don't know transformers 5 you know <laughs> It's just uh, the density of and complexity of, sure. of visual effects, which, by the way, I, you know, density and complexity doesn't necessarily mean, you know, artistry no, no. Or, or quality. You know, no, yeah, more is not always better. Yeah, I, I feel like less is better in majority of cases, and then if it's more, it's 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 more when it's designed in a proper way, and it sits in the right how place. About, how about just the right amount, right? Not, yeah, not, yeah, there not you go. More, the right amount. I would settle with that. The right amount is it's a it's a right it's a right way to put it. I would say, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I usually it seems, it seems natural and believable, right? Not forced. Not oh, look at me, I'm animated. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was talking about you know, and that's that's interesting because uh, you know finding finding those um, inspirational you know where what inspires you. It's it's usually what what drives you uh, to become an artist, and and I find it fascinating because like for you it would be it would be one thing for me it was something completely different. Um, oh sure. 
And uh, it's it's funny how it just all converges into, you know, um, almost the almost the one thing. But all of us are different, you know. The way you you approach art and and painting uh, is different. It's actually for me it's really fascinating because it feels to me like you're very pure about the art itself in in the right way. You know, you're you're always trying to find. Um, what makes each of the paintings uh, that you make, or you know, when you were art directing, uh, you would you would be the same way. You know, you you, you would try to find um, you know that the artistry, Con- not, not not just not context. Just, yeah, context. It's yeah. context. It's trying to find the appropriate context. It's not making art for art's sake. Yeah, it's yeah, not, that's what it's I, like I was trying, try- trying to get. The at. design, the design should satisfy. Um, you know, the rules of art, it should be pleasing to look at, but it also needs to fit with the story. It needs to be appropriate for the story. Sometimes, too many times, people find a book or they find, they see another movie and they go, oh, they did this, so let's do that. It's like, no, that's not a solution. You know, you need to, you need to think like a designer in terms of what am I trying to solve and why am I trying to solve it? What is the context? Right. Um, you listen, you listen to Roger Deakins talk a lot and he's so good about not getting caught up in what camera he's shooting with. He's talking about, you know, why he's setting up the shot the way he is. And that's what, that's what art should be doing. But it takes, it takes a certain amount of sophistication to get to that point. It takes, it takes a lot of miles and a lot of, a lot of your own artwork to get to the point where you can step beyond it and solve the problem instead of just being distracted by the latest film that came out and going, oh, let's just do that. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not design. Yeah, I oh, would, I saw this book, so we're gonna we're gonna do this. Like, oh, did you? Okay, <laughs> don't you hate well. that when that happens in the project? Oh my you know? God! You, yeah, you see that, and it's like, yeah, you just want to tear your hair out. You know? <laughs> it's just like, come on, come on. I used to, um, I used to think, be a man. I used to think video games are uh, the worst in terms of like you know knee jerk uh, reaction and, and doing whatever is trendy, but. Having a fair amount of time being in film, I would say it's all the industries <laughs> at this point, and you only can get so lucky when you when you land the right project where you know you have ability to express exactly the right idea for this project. Uh, I was well, I'd be curious in, if, in, if you if you could recall in, any that you worked on. In that, in fairness, uh-huh. in fairness, there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, of course, um, and. And people are, you know, afraid to take chances because there's so much money at stake. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, but, I, I totally understand but, that. And that's the reason why I, Hollywood yeah, is I, the way that I don't, it is. Yeah. I don't wake up and go to work to do what I've done already. I wake up to go to work to do something different. Right. But don't you think it's, like, <laughs> flawed at, at its core? You know, like, the, just the fact that, you know, when you listen to interviews with, say... Uh, oh. producers or directors uh, that work in films, you know. And there's uh, f- you know, a few few names that are uh, outspoken out there. Like this guy, the, the writer of uh, Chronicle, Max Landis. Like, he's super outspoken, you know, li- like his movies or not, but he's one of not that many, you know, filmmakers or people involved in film that would just say directly, like, yeah, Hollywood sucks. They just fucking ruin every movie because they assume things, and it never, almost well, never I, goes the way they assume it, you know? But that's not a solution, though, right? Any, right. Anyone can complain. And, and, there's, and there's, a, there's a thing nowadays where 
you're cool if you complain and you're cool. Oh if yeah, you're yeah. And I, and I and I disagree. It's like okay, but you're the you're the problem then because you're not fixing it. If you're just sitting around, and I don't mean you specifically, but I mean people who just complain. I'm sitting. Like, I'm sitting right now. Oh, look how cool! <laughs> look how cool I am! I can I can diss on Hollywood. It's like no monkeys can do that. Come on, go out there and you know come up yeah. with a solution. Find a way. I was listening to an interview with Scott Rudin, and um, I thought, oh my god, this guy is so sharp. How do I? It's like you know, there's there's people out there that are really bright and really sharp mm-hmm. and really know what they're doing, and they're out there. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to buy into the, the sort of like, oh, I'm so cool because I'm not impressed by anything. <laughs> uh, there's this quote that stuck in my mind. Um, I was reading, gosh, what was I, I think it was uh, one of the Tim Ferriss's uh, podcasts uh, where. I can't remember who he was interviewing, but one of his guests said, um, there are no uh, statues erected for critics. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, it's just so easy to sit down and just write a couple of words and say, oh, this sucks. This is is bad. And... um, Well, I'll I'll go a a step further. It's, yeah, in, in today's society, it's really in, it's really easy to yeah. make a fantastic Pinterest page of beautiful images, none of which you created. And I think <laughs> I think there's there's a there's a there's a uh, delusion that that is somehow making art is hard. It is hard. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, and you have to be willing to go through that hard in order to get somewhere. So yeah, sure, it's easier to just copy other people's work. It's easier just to blog about something that someone else made it's really the thing the thing with like people who criticize films like well i don't think so and so it's like yeah have you ever made a film you ever tried to go out there shoot exactly. get people to show up on time get them to perform and then try to cut it together yourself have you ever tried that no then stop talking preach then you don't get to preach because <laughs> <laughs> yeah making art is hard making short films is hard there's so many times where i've struggled with an edit like why isn't this working what it's like oh because i because it's not compelling at the core it's not compelling right all i did was cut together some footage i wasn't telling a story crap you know yeah and there's this thing you know when you when you learn something or at least try to create something you're gonna fail many times well yeah of course you oh yeah and it's gonna hurt <laughs> yeah and you're gonna go to bed depressed and then you but you'll wake up and you go all right well maybe i can fix it maybe if i did this you know yeah, and you know it's like I stopped because re- I used to be that way too. Like you, you would just see a film, oh, that film sucks, you know. And it's you know it's it's one of one of one one thing just to say to have opinion about something and not just be really too attached to it, but you know do it like a critical analysis that you personally then digest and apply to your work or or whatnot. It's the other thing is just to sit down and and be a crit- crit- critic without ever doing mm-hmm. uh, anything yourself, you know. Um, right. Which is a which is a big big difference, you know. I find it entertaining if someone tries to be critic but then they apply it as a comedy, you know? Like there's this um there's this show that I watch on YouTube. It's called uh the channel is called Red Letter Media and it's a half uh-huh. in a bag. And you know, they're critics. They they do critic movies. They have very subjective opinion about you know what they watch, but they apply it to the comedy. Like they're trying to make it 
a sh as a show. You know, it's not like just oh, I'm just gonna express my opinions about something because I find it like I find this movie awesome or offensive, and I just you know my opinion is so important. No, they use you know film criticism as a tool to to drive the comedy that they are doing there in the channel. You know, and it's sure. one of those which is just hilarious. You know. And you, you can agree or disagree with some of the comments they make, but generally, okay. generally, it's it's just you know the premise of the show. It's it's funny, and that. Have I, you ever seen the? Go ahead. Sorry, the lag is killing us. Have you ever seen honest trailers? Uh yeah, yeah, of the, course. It's funny because they're they're criticizing it, but they're doing it in a way that makes you go, oh yeah, that really is what's just going on. Oh yeah, that they do they do use that trope a lot, huh? So there, that I think that's more satire. Yeah. In that you bring about you bring about change by pointing out something rather than just criticism. So the, there's a difference between, like you know, criticism and satire. So I think you're talking about satire. Yeah. Which is always meant to bring about a change by using comedy to criticize something. Yeah. Yeah. You're just pointing an obvious thing that majority right. of people well, would agree with you. But then you you frame it in a way that it's compelling and and it's it's it's, it's yeah it it has a point, but you have to search for it as well. Uh, I think the best one from Matt. from uh, Honest Trailers was the Prometheus. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Twilight. The, um, the Twilight is pretty good yeah. too. <laughs> uh, well, now I have to go watch those. <laughs> if you go all the way back to Mad Magazine. Um, Mad Magazine was brilliant satire in that they were, it was a humor magazine, but they were, you look at what they were trying to change, right? Right. They were trying to bring about change by using, you know, pointed criticism to alter what was not working about society in a humorous way. Yeah. Yeah, satire, satire is, is probably the best tool, uh, I would say, for, for that, you know, because it's just like, in order to be good, good comedian, you have to, you have to have mileage as well, you know. Uh, so, well, you ha you have to have you have to have a point of view, and it has to be something observed. You're not just right. Like, ah, the thing I hate. Right. The thing I hate about traffic is like, you know, it has to be something <laughs> that other people can relate to. Otherwise, it's not funny. It's not humor. You're not you're yeah. not connecting yeah. with other human beings in a way that's meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the con again. It's almost coming back to your original point: the context, you know. The context of, yeah. of how you work with art, and, and then yeah, like looking at critics, the context of how they're you know performing that as well. So it's yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a uh, it's a common thing. The context that it, it used to be it, right now, it feels like it's lacking from uh, from pretty much everywhere. <laughs> um, well, we've, the media has become so disposable with Facebook and Instagram and yeah. uh, Twitter. It's just there's there's a never ending stream of new content, content, but not necessarily anything in context. There's right. a new, there's a new stream of so, oh look something new oh something new it doesn't have um, resonance and it doesn't have meaning and it's not research but it's new you know and it's it's so much more than it used to be. Uh, a daily paper had to be edited and vetted and you know written and published. And there was there was a there was a process to get a daily paper out that at least distilled a certain amount of clutter. Yeah. You know, and we've got an abundance of clutter now. 
on uh, through media outlets. Yeah, you're that bombarded not, you know, you, with it. The news isn't news anymore. It's just something that happened today. It's not necessarily in-depth reporting on what's going on. It's like, so-and-so fell down! <laughs> it seems to me like um, a lot of the things that you're talking about and you see right now, it's basically a clickbait, you know? Like, how I can... How can I make shitload of money by grabbing your attention? And doesn't right. have to be anything. It can be just whatever. But as long as I right. have your attention, I can sell you a commercial. I succeeded. Right. It seems to me that it just polluted not only, you know, social media, but pretty much any, yeah, anything. Like, So I, what's the solution? What's the solution, though? Well, I, I will tell you what the it... solution, my personal solution is just like I stopped you well, yeah, know, interacting but, with with that uh, at all costs. Great. How do we how do we get every, how do we get everyone to do that? Um, because the dopamine hit in the brain is hard to <laughs> convince people that you know that's a, that's a fake high. You feel like you're doing something, but you're not. So how do you convince the rest of the world? You know that mm, real study is in depth. Real solutions take time. Real design takes you know, exploration. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's a form of addiction. As you said, it's a dopamine. It is. Uh, you know, in your brain, it just basically works that way. If you, if you open up Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, those tools are designed by engineers and fucking uh, psychologists. And, you know, they, they hire everyone they can to make it as addictive as possible. It's not about. And I'm on all those, and I'm and I'm, I'm complaining, but like I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, right. I'm on Instagram, and I like finding new artists on them, and I think it's brilliant. It's a new avenue, but it's also got drawbacks. Yeah, um, my personal approach to like, especially now, I, I've changed my approach to social media quite dramatically over recent months, um, where. I unsubscribe or unfollow as many people as I can unless the quality of the content and posts that those people make are something that, if I see it, is going to be meaningful and is going to you well, know, sure. affect my life. Because as you said, like there's something about the clutter. There's something about the how much we're bombarded with information these days. You know, you have news everywhere. Like, as you said, you used to well, wait for a daily paper. Well, let's not call it news. It's not news. I know, let's I know. But, but you know news. what I mean. It's just like the amount of information that you're being bombarded with. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's too much. And you, you, you're going to have something that's it's called noise. news. You're being, bomb you're, being, you're exactly. being bombarded by noise. It's not news or information. Exactly. And and it's just like, you, I, I started to feel like your brain, your head capacity to digest information and then do stuff. It's almost like having a battery, and any time you read something, it's like draining it. But you can also use that battery to create instead. So it's when you're not having that balance correct, you know, when you're just constantly on Facebook and checking, like, oh, let's see what's, let's see if in five minutes something changed, and I'm gonna see something that perhaps <laughs> gonna change my life in a way, but probably doesn't. Exactly, it just never I'm, looking, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that daily. Where's the thing that's gonna change my life? Is it here? Is it yeah. here? Is it here? No. 
I bet you these people want to hear more about art, though, and not us bitch about uh, the world. I don't, I don't think we, it's bitching. I, I think it's a uh, it's a conversation. I you know uh, a lot of a lot of people that I just assume here, probably people gonna be just like, oh, what the fuck, Maché? Don't assume. We don't, we're not here to talk about this. <laughs> um, but you know, I find I find it fascinating because you know having those conversations they they do impact the way you work. They do impact. The way you you you, cre you create, you know, because if you don't have time to create, then you're not creating. If you're being constantly distracted, well, sure. constantly distracted by things, you're not creating, you know. Uh, you you asked an interesting question, you know, uh, how to fix that problem instead of complaining about it. Um, you know, there's obviously, you know, there's no one solution for everything. I think the biggest solution that I found for myself, and I, I and hopefully a lot of people that follow this podcast or you know follow learn squared is teaching is is basically teaching and learning being a constant student of the craft and and trying to basically affect everyone and and sort of like put out that bug like go learn go learn mm -hmm. you know uh, go, go draw fill a sketchbook full of bad drawings exactly you learn more from that from watching anyone else's youtube yeah i used to get um random questions like why do you why are you learning 3d like why are you trying to learn zbrush or why are you trying to do this and my my simplest answer there's two ways to answer it one i'm i'm really you know interested in learning it because it's fun but also having a a new perspective on how you craft your work you know whether it's yeah, something it's like, very technical like, like zbrush or or you know learning a new new way of Understanding sure. mind. It, it it makes you see fresh again. Yeah. Exactly. Don't, don't you see you see it you see it through another lens. Don't you feel like jaded sometimes? You know, it's gonna be actually. I try. I try not to be. I try not to be. Um, it's easy to fall into that. So I'm I'm constantly trying to find another way to look at the world. You know, trying to look at the world through slightly different way that makes me excited that makes it all look fresh and new again like right oh if it's just whatever a new element color shape yeah. tonality right yeah fill that in so we talked about the graphic la and by the way that's, yeah. a, that's the next thing uh we should we should touch upon i'm i'm, I'm just curious and you know we we've we've started this discussion i i mentioned that we're going to talk about it a little more so now now it's the time um, now's the time. Now's the time. Uh, so Graphic LA is a book uh, that you've created. I'm actually, actually going to post it up to those beautiful peeps over at chat for anyone who's interested. Um, and I'm guessing... I should, I should say at this point, let me let me throw in something. I didn't set out to create a book. I know, uh, I know. It was... I, I, okay. I, I, I assume that, that. That's I was just like, oh, I'm just going to make a book right now. <laughs> Um, so I'm, was, I'm leading to it. Through the exploration of it, through the exploration of everything we talked about, yeah. trying to find a way to see the world. So you mentioned like you started working, you know, when you were working, um, when you were teaching at the art center, and you would give mm -hmm. give your students those assignments, like go ahead and and use that the most shitty way of painting, but now try to create something meaningful with it. You know, take away all the noise, all the tools. It's, it's almost like yeah, it's taking away all the noise that is around you where you, you're not thinking about tools, you're not thinking about how am I supposed to, you know, do this or that. But you can't you can't be you can't be clever and facile. You have to think about the the, the real decisions. It's like handing somebody 
a packet of colored paper and a pair of scissors and say, like, make me a beautiful picture. I can't. There's no brush. Mm, a good <laughs> artist can. A good artist can cut out, like, you know, six really beautiful shapes and move them around and make an amazing picture. <laughs> uh, or uh, what brushes do you use? <laughs> I know. It's just like, <clears throat> you know, and I, I get it, right? Every, yeah. There's a magic to, you know. Everyone's looking for a magic trick. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's it's what brush do you like? That's that should be and you should start off with the most basic. I I I use a square brush, you yeah. know? Just it's a square. It's a colored square, hundred percent opacity. Deal with it. So I guess and the, it's hard. It's, it's 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 not pretty. But I don't want it to be pretty. Right. So I'm guessing that kind of like put in a seed in your mind, like, oh, it would be it would be interesting to explore art in that way for yourself right is, is that where it started well yeah it's like how real can i make it look with with the most clunky tool you know if i if i only use col literally colored squares and colored circles can i make it look real and i found right away that oh my gosh yeah if i get my value patterns right and they're relating to each other properly um the illusion of light is there and the shapes themselves can be actually really abstract more than I even realized. It's like, oh, that does look like a car, and it's just a little square with another square on top of it, you know? Right. But I got the color value right, and uh, I got the indication right of light on the hood by getting another colored square to look that way. Right, so it's it's basically you're trying to be illusionist uh, by seeing yeah. how much you can take, how much you can cut it back on technicalities and, and really just simplify and simplify it almost as brutally as you can, but still preserve the integrity of, you know, um, having something well, to look I'm realistic. Still going for, yeah, I'm still going for the illusion, but I'm trying to do it in the, in the simplest way possible with the, the simplest shapes and the simplest values and colors. Right. You know? So when was the moment when you decided, all right, this is, this is a thing and I want to make a book out of it? Oh, I had been doing it for a while, at least a year. And people start saying, hey, you should put these in a book. It's like, yeah, you guys should put these in a book. <laughs> and then um, I had the, I had a flu, uh, and I was staying home, and I was thinking, how can I, because I don't have enough color pictures for the book. I thought, how can I finish the book? And, well, I've got all those sketches that I did before I started the paintings. I've got sketchbooks full of just the black and white designs. Maybe I can scan all those. And then, and then cause, and I was keeping a log, too, of all the things that were working. Like, whoa, wait, this works when I do that. Oh, I'll write that down. So I thought, maybe if I scan all those drawings and then include all those notes, that can be the book. Yeah. So it was the flu, the flu. That's how the, the flu, that's how that book where came it about. all started. <laughs> the flu. Right. That's you awesome. were fe feverishly at home going, yeah, what if I did this? Yeah. Get bombarded with, with things to, to do or ideas when you're, when you're not bombarded with, I gotta work. I gotta finish this. Yeah, finish that. exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So the book is out. I actually pasted the link to the chat, so anyone who's you know listening to it live can can uh, take it, take a look. I'm also gonna add it to the description under the video, uh, so you can go and, and 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 check it out. I think it's a good book, dude. I've I've looked through um, looked through it, and it looks pretty pretty good, dude. I like the 
I like the graphical AI stuff. I think a lot of people are really, really into into that as well. Um, you know, seeing how how you can build something realistic with simplicity and and really just throw away that assumption that oh, you need to use specific software in order to create something that is going to look nice. You know, well, it's 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 the foundation to image making. When I first started painting on my phone, you know, it's like oh, it's this little color sketchbook I have with me all the time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, and people are like, wow, what kind of stylus do you use? And at the time, there was no pressure sensitivity. It's like, well, I just use the cheapest little $2 capacitance carrier with a rubber tip that you can buy. You don't, it's like, you don't need pressure sensitivity. It's like, no, you don't need <laughs> pressure sensitivity. You need to design a couple good shapes and move them around and get that to work. You definitely don't need pressure sensitivity. And I would say Craig Mullins is a testament to that. That guy used to right. paint on the, he used to use a fucking mouse when the Wacom was already out. Like he would. I know. From what I remember, from some of the interviews that he have done, uh, he would just like refuse to use Wacom because it was just not not good enough for him yet to switch. Even though mm-hmm. perhaps it was at the time that he could switch, you know. But it was just like mm-hmm. I'm already so well versed and, and and good with using a mouse. Sure. Why would I switch? You know. For me, it's like right. fucking mouse. What? <laughs> it's just like um, I, I, I bet you, like you can, you can get there if you put a right amount of effort. And I found, you know, if you put a right amount of effort to something, you can, you can learn it. And uh, there's this misconception that it's there's two misconceptions. One you, you touched upon already, which is like, oh, it's an easy thing to do. It's not. Um, being mm-hmm. a good artist takes a lot of time. Being a good designer takes a lifetime, I would say. It's something that just kind of grows upon you, not only understanding the principles of design, but also knowing how to apply them and really learning the more versed you are in in being human and understanding the life that is around you and understanding the world, how world works. It's something that will propel you to become a better designer. Um, you know, being a good illustrator, for instance, would be, you know, learning the tools and learning how light works and learning composition and that that will get you there. Whereas design, I think design takes a little, little longer and a little more effort. But but yeah, it's like I'm pretty sure you can learn how to paint with mouse if you just put a lot, right of right amount of time into it. Sure. Yeah. I did some of my best stuff on the original iPad. Um and now the, with the with the new pencil and stuff, it's it's beautiful. The iPad is an amazing tool with the Apple pencil. Oh my gosh, it is. You know, it's like a small Cintiq. Yeah, it's it's close. But it's not going to make you. It's not going to make you a great artist. Oh no, 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 no. I actually hated it. I actually didn't like um, didn't like iPad. I for some reason I just just didn't didn't click with me. Uh, I ended no, up, I love it. I love it. I ended up getting. Um, the new uh, mobile studio. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a Wacom Mobile Studio Pro, uh, the 16-inch. There's also a 13-inch version, which is much lighter. Uh, that thing is basically your Cintiq with the computer in it, and it's just flawless, dude. I love it because it's like oh. you can. It it is it is easier to use compared to iPad, I would say, um, because it's a Windows machine. You can basically use Photoshop. You can use any tools that you're already familiar with. For me, the thing that I didn't really particularly enjoy about iPad is the fact that I had, in order to get somewhere with it, I would have to learn uh, a completely new tool and get really used to it. 
And I guess for me, that's that, that's what I like about it is because it right. again it forces you to think about what am I doing rather than being so facile with something that um, you're not you're not uh, struggling to create. Hmm. That, if that makes any sense, right? Yeah, it does. Just, it does. If you're just jumping into your trick bag and going, okay, I'm just going to do this, this, and this, rather than like, oh wait, I want to draw. How do I? Oh, there it is. Okay, and it's forcing you again to look at it fresh. Right. Because you're not familiar. You're not comfortable with it. No, you're, you're not absolutely not. And I found I found my, you know, my uncomfortable place in in in, in places like ZBrush, you know, and trying to tackle right. that realm instead because. For me, it felt like I could, and it probably is just a mindset, and it's where you're trying to go with, you know, where you're trying to find that new thing that will inspire you and and make you feel like, okay, I'm not jaded anymore. I'm doing something new and something fresh and constantly learning. Um, and, you know, for you, it might have been something like iPad or, you know, finding, you know, right, just, just right. the idea behind the graphic LA where you're finding the ways to express things that you already can do uh, with your regular set of tools, but now trying to, to simplify it to a point where I can do it pretty much with this, which a normal I person like would, I, would you know, think like, oh, it's impossible, you know? I feel like we're just getting to the fun part of the show, and the hour's up, and I have to go into work. Do you, <laughs> you want to pick this up again, like yeah. tomorrow or the next day or something, and Let's, actually get, it, get into the meat of it? Yeah, let's schedule. Uh, let's schedule another one. Uh, that would be actually yeah, interesting. Interesting thing to do, like a two-part thing. Um, yeah, because we're we're just now getting to the part that it's <laughs> it's really fun. And I'm See, literally those conversations drive, have to so. be longer. Maybe we should do one at night. You know, uh, maybe when you're done with work. Sure. Um, that'll be easier. I'm much. I'm much fresher in the morning after a whole day of having to make decisions. I'm much fresher in the morning. So um, yeah. No, I, I think we need to do. I think we need to do part two. Okay, let's do that. So I gonna guys, what I gonna do is um, you, a lot of a lot of people here asked questions. Um, I know you have to run. I fucking time is flying when we have those conversations. I'm, and I'm literally at the parking garage, so I'm gonna lose signal. So yeah. Um, let's so let's, let's wrap it do up part here. two and answer some questions. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's uh, let's like pick later. up. Let's pick up um, where we where we stopped, and I'll um, I've saved those questions that were asked uh, during the stream, and um, and we'll we'll pick up from there. Yeah, let's schedule something uh, either this week or early next week, if that works for you. He might actually drop out right now. All right. Um, anyways, I'm gonna end the call here because I know he probably dropped out. Uh, BPDBP. So yeah, uh, we'll pick up from from where we where we stopped. Rob just arrived to work, so um, you know we usually try to run it within an hour, but sometimes, as you guys know, in most occasions we usually run overtime. Uh, so I'll schedule another call with Rob, and um, we'll do some QA. I've saved all, saved all of your questions, guys. So don't despair if you asked something and wasn't answered. And um, yeah, and continue the conversation where we, where we ended. So, thanks a lot for everyone who uh, decided to join us live. And um, I'll make sure I schedule something pretty soon with Rob. Uh, it's gonna be either this week or uh, next week, and uh, we'll continue from there. So, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, have a good day, evening, morning, wherever you are in the world. And uh, yeah, expect to have another one continuation very soon.
Cheers.